Hello and welcome to the DM's Book Club, a weekly book club podcast where we talk about some Dungeons and Dragons and discuss how we might include them in our role-playing campaigns. Welcome to 2024, officially for us, although there's going to be there's going to be a couple of episodes (laughs) where you're like, wait, you guys sound like you're in from last year, Uh, but my name is Fiona and with me as always is my wonderful co-host Hamilton, Kickstarter extraordinaire. Oh, jeez. Hey, you always start with like a tabletop rising star so now uh, i get to go yeah, like okay. kickstarter rising uh money maker <laughs> money maker oh we'll see i think a lot of that money is going to go into printing and shipping demon slayer is out on kickstarter when will this be going out this episode probably after the kickstarter but it's nice to yeah it goes on not... for like another 29 days but i'm assuming going off what we're doing this well, i will put i will put a link in the uh, show notes anyway so people can see it they'll be late backing i was gonna say there must be late backing at this rate you, you've, yeah. you're looking at all these things so but yeah. how are you it's been a couple of weeks since we've actually like done this so yes it has been it has been a while it's been well since 2023 uh i saw you last year exactly yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) the thing i was thinking is that this is the first time we can now because we've already been caught out haven't we by the fact that episodes have gone (laughs) we we did a a wonderful batch recording and then uh wizards uh wizards went and became grinch yeah. Super Grinch, and uh, and we didn't get to comment on that at all, did we? So maybe I don't know if we if we need to. Yeah, let's do a quick thing about it. So yeah, uh, so at the end of 2023, Wizards of the Coast announced, well, Hasbro, sorry, announced that there's going to be a lot of layoffs because of various predictions not making uh, sense or not making as much money, even though D and D is one of the most profitable products they yeah, have. Wizards is their most profitable part of it. Yeah. So unfortunately across Magic the Gathering and Wizards there's been over a thousand layoffs uh, of some very notable influential sort of writers and game designers and artists yeah. which to be honest fucking sucks. Yeah. And it's re- it really sucks more when like most of the thing is like the most profitable bit is Wizards. Oh but we're going to fire you still. And you're like yeah. okay. That doesn't make that makes sense. And it also is very uh, something that I getting to grips with myself is that it's a very US culture that you could just be fired with no notice, no nothing. Some states have this at will law that so it's supposed to protect you, the worker, that you mean if you want to leave your job, you can mm. do it on that day. And there's no consequence wow. for that. Really? At the same time though, your employers could also fire you with no reason and not tell you why. Yeah. The employee protections over in Europe uh, particularly more and UK is pretty good as well is completely different and you do sit yeah. there and go okay <laughs> that's really crazy I find that so strange it could be just like just that you're I, not that you're not protected for two or three months whilst you yeah. try and find another job yeah exactly and it's just and to do yeah. it weeks before Christmas is just like have you seen a Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, it's very disheartening as we go into the fiftieth year of D and D. Not a great way to start. Yeah, and obviously one of our early episodes in this season talked about the Book of Many Things, which obviously then had also its own delays. Hopefully at the end of January, but who knows at this rate when it will come out? And also we've got the cool rule box coming out this year, but it just kind of feels a bit like it just feels shit. And and we've talked about this before last year when we had the OGL stuff is that it kind of sucks for us because we, we, you know, we very much love tabletop RPGs and we love Mm. D&D lore. We like looking Mm. at it and stuff. And so it kind of feels a kick in the teeth when they just treat it as a cash cow and treat it as a thing rather than something that can be uh, used to to help people through therapy, to to create stories and to people to be creative again when we're in a world which is always about money, always about the cost of living and stuff. You know, I play Warhammer, so this is like nothing in comparison to who literally like are... 
this is all about money. And I, but I, I know what you mean. I totally agree. It is a real shame. But I think the thing that I, I want to like make a note is the people at Wizards and the mm. people who've made these games. And I think that's what makes me sad about it is that they've worked really hard to make some Absolutely. really cool stuff recently. Mm. Like we mentioned when we were mentioning the book of many things at the beginning of the year, it came out. And particularly something that was just a really great piece of like creative design in many ways, because yeah. it was taking something very out there and, and putting it inside. And you think, wow, people have put a really great job. This is, we're all yeah. talking about it going, this is a really good thing to come out of Wizards of the Coast. They're doing really nice things about talking back to their, their past, looking forward to the future. Mm -hmm. And then now the blue, it's like some insert your, your word of choice here comes along and just and just makes these sorts of decisions and kind of puts a real tarnish on on all their work as well that which yeah. is really sad because i i think we should be still celebrating the people that have put all this work in i think people okay. are i just think it's i think it's i still think we're right to do that on sort of the flip side of this as we always sort of say when you consider stuff like matt coville's kickstarter yeah yeah talking of kickstarters doing well 4.3 million dollars wasn't it and I was, because I thought the joke was, we were saying was like, oh, that OGL stuff, that's all died down. Oh, mm. all those people that were making these separate ones, how are they going to do? And then suddenly Wizards go, here's a bone. Well, we'll blow it. Hasbro just go and burn the ship down yeah. right when they go for their Kickstarter. And it's kind of like, well, that was, that couldn't have been better time for them. It's interesting because obviously Matt Coville did do so much on D&D. If you go to his YouTube, yeah. he talks about how to be a great DM, how to do this. James Intercasso is part of the team there. And yes. You know, famous for working on Wall Street Dragon Heist and many other ones at the same time. I don't know if he did uh, Descent into Vernus as well, but I um, can't remember off. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Looking quickly at the credits. Yes, story creators James and Tricasso. He was on. He was there at that time, so I remember him being a part of it then. So yeah, so uh, you know, big names and you know, a loss to that company as well, and going out there and making it for themselves. And yeah, and hopefully it does mean there's more competition out there, which you know, I always think only helps things because the more competitions out there the better everything becomes so long as it's not a race to a bottom have you seen any read anything on how the game functions and stuff like that because uh, i'll be honest I, there is a video which again i'll put in a, uh, into the show notes uh today of matt coville as an hour-long video describing what the system is uh, i'll be honest uh i i'm a bit mm, about it myself but that's again i've yet to dive in properly but yes yeah, so we're talking about the MCDM's RPG, the Tactical Hero Cinematic Fantasy is what it's described itself yeah. as. And the big thing I took away from the video itself was that you always hit. You never miss an attack. That's what I understand from... Like being a rogue. <laughs> cross it out. It is definitely tactical, just rogues. Yeah. There's an interest for it. And also, I, I do admit that obviously Matt Coville has a massive following and he's a very charismatic person, as, as long as has done other amazing Kickstarters as well, along the, like the Flea Mortals line as well. So uh, time will tell, I guess. Mm. And I'll admit I've not backed it myself because, uh, again, it didn't seem something that would appeal to me necessarily, but I'll be interested to see what yeah. it looks like, what it plays like as oh, yeah. well. Yeah, I'll, definitely, I want to, I'll watch that video. It's just been something on the radio as I see it coming up on Twitter and everywhere. We're at an interesting point now. We're almost like the same as January 2023, where the OGL stuff and people go, we need to make changes. And now we're back at January 2024, and Wizards are still not great in our books. Uh, and no. then we have this amazing Kickstarter. So maybe, maybe more people will get into it. It's different, isn't it, again? Because I think it's Hasbro. We've got to remember that, isn't it? Of it's, course, yeah. That's the thing. It's And it's the beholden to shareholders. Which, as we know, is oh, we could get into we could get into political and you know mm -hmm. talk, but uh, yeah, you're right. 
but speaking of corruption, <laughs> speaking of uh, terrible places, yeah. Hamilton, what are we looking at today? <laughs> well, we're looking at what was billed to me yes. <laughs> as quick, quick little, quick little jaunt it, into Baldur's Gate Gazetteer. Yes, yes. So in the sort of release, obviously, of Baldur's Gate 3 of last year, which became incredibly popular, uh, yourself and I, obviously diving straight into it as well, mm. Wizards sort of re-released the Baldur's Gate Gazetteer from Descent into Avernus for free on D&D Beyond. That's mm. sort of like, hey, you want to know more about Baldur's Gate? Try it out here. And admittedly, I was like, oh, this is the thing they've just written because of the game, uh, which shows my lack of knowledge of actually not reading Descent into Avernus. <laughs> Yeah, so we've done a couple of these primers before. Obviously, we did the uh, Waterdeep uh, primer mm-hmm. that we got with Dragon Heist. We've done, obviously, Minx and Boo, which is a sort of a similar idea of like, here's what the towns are like, etc. Those are little primers, yeah. Yeah, and we've seen it as well in like Critical Role's Tal'Dore. We've seen it in Call of the Neverdeep, that sort of thing, where they've got a little bit of primers about the towns as well. And it is, it is short, but as we discovered... It's very dense. <laughs> I don't think either of us enjoyed it as much as uh, the Waterdeep Primer. No. That was definitely my initial thought. As, as I sort of closed the book, I was like, <laughs> I sort of have a bit of a sigh from my side of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that way about halfway through and I was like, oh, so these aren't just paragraphs. These are pages of yeah. information. And, you know, I feel a bit too minded on it because when we've talked about all those other ones i'm like this is great give people information let everyone like take all this and i think it is good but i think mm. if i was like i'm gonna be running a game Baldur's gate as a dm perfect this is great it's got lots of stuff so much to build upon some really interesting little places to investigate mm-hmm. people to talk about to interact with oh, i love the little dark secrets that we'll talk about at the end yes. really good yeah. things like great really cool moments However, mm. if you're reading it dry, like we are just to talk about, mm. oh, it's a slog because it's just like, yeah. here's another place. It was like when we were doing our Isgard, mm. felt a bit like that. Isgard, where it was like, and now another place. And here are the same 50 different things in this. It is interesting, but it's not, um, yeah, it's hard when you're not building something from it, I guess is what, what I'm trying to say. Let's compare it to Dragon Heist Waterdeep in a way. So like with Dragon Heist, uh, obviously it's all contained within mm. Waterdeep. You are not necessarily, what, what's, what's the term for it's being a citizen of Waterdeep? Is uh, Water Delvians? Oh, Water Davian. Water Davians, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so you're not necessarily that, because it talks about if you come in, all that sort of thing. Mm. It just, you, it's not always starts like you're in a tavern, etc. From what I understand of uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, and looking at the character backgrounds as well. So we've got 14 backgrounds and a new background in this gazetteer, which is like mm. how to ingratiate your character already in uh, Baldur's Gate, which is a great idea. Waterdeep is a, a very lovely place, I feel, compared to this place. So instantly I'm like, why would I want to be a character that belongs to this place? Because it is, I think it's a very interesting mix of a town that is definitely, uh, there is corruption here. There is piracy, yeah. there is smuggling, etc. And it's pretty shit if you are not one of the top tier ranking people of society yeah. that lives in the upper city. Ultimately, it feels like the goal of this is to get into the upper city if you're in the lower city or the, the outer city, etc. And so for me, it's a bit like, hmm we're already being 
shafted, I guess is the answer. Yeah. Uh, so why, you know, what rather than be like welcoming? It, I mean, it does talk about it like it is diverse. It is like you know, but people are out for themselves. It's a much more cutthroat place. Yes, exactly. People are looking out for themselves, keeping care of their own skin, and even banding up together with these things called crews. This idea that you know you band together maybe with people on your street or people in the tavern to protect one's own against the sort of the mercenary flaming fist, which is sort of the uh, unofficial guard, essentially, uh, sort of yeah. got into power along with the watch. Mercenary guards that have become paid guards that's like, mm. yeah, paid force that became a guard, which is a bit dodgy. <laughs> oh, a bit dodgy. And then, of course, their leader is the Grand Duke. So the person that sits on the the, mm. the Council of Four, essentially, and refuses to let go of their leadership of the flaming fist. And you're like, God, this is a, this doesn't sound good. All these things like, this isn't good. This isn't good. But what I quite like looking at the Gazetteer in this sort of introductionary pa- uh, introductory paragraph, it's, yeah. it says like, drugs and poisons sit on shelves alongside tinctures and remedies. So literally it's so open, the crime mm. in this place. Oh, yeah. And people don't shy away from it. People just do it and you mm. you don't hide it away, which I thought was, it's yeah very different to other other places that we've personally explored in uh, D&D lore. It's definitely got a bit more of grit and grime to it, which I quite mm. like. Waterdeep is so guild heavy, you know, mm. like guilds are very, there's a load of red tape. And when I remember playing Waterdeep Dragon Heist, it gives you whole things about like when you get the pub, the guilds might come. There's a whole set of camp, little mini campaigns I use where it was all about the guilds coming to see you. And then, yeah. all right, you're going to need a pub license. Oh, you need to get some work done to this building. You need a building license and you're going to need this. And it's all very formal, but overly bureaucratic. Yeah. And then you go to somewhere like the complete extreme opposite, like, but Luskin, but in a similar way where that's all about the the mix between the, the pirate kings and queens who run it, but then the real people who run it, who are the host tower, which is mm. all these wizards and the host tower. And it's this balance of sort of, seeming anarchy run by piratical people mm. imagine a scene from a, a tavern in pirates of the caribbean you kind of imagine that's what it's always like these sort of port towns where there's music playing and it's all a bit revelrous and you can imagine it still being a bit grimy but in a sort of more upbeat fun way <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean there's, everything's there's, a little bit lots. more cheery it's like yeah. oh but Baldur's Gate just sounds freaking droll <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you're like miserable oh my, just miserable apart from like you know just these uber rich people in their palantirs or whatever they're called being pulled along in you know by you know hold aloft by people as they move mm. through the town whilst the waifs just watch getting beat down by the flaming fists who are not a very nice bunch of people and you're just kind of like oh you know and then the only other guild is the guild which is basically the thieves guild yeah unites cut purses loan sharks killers thugs con artists yeah. grave robbers cat burglars and every other type of criminal in the city it's all under one banner yeah <laughs> and then on top of that you've also got one of your biggest threats is Balspawn, which is one of the dead oh. three which is the gods that really exist in this town over any other are Baal and bane bane and i forget the third one cruel which is murder Death and bones, lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, we'll come visit Baldur's Gate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. So you don't get Volos and Chiridian here. You get a gazetteer, mm. but it's not. It's not written. You know, as we were saying, like what's nice about the Dragonlance one is it's written from the perspective of Volo. So you've got this very oh, person mm. giving it a bit of color and flavor. Which we we I think we like from the Planescape books. I've been liking mm. going back and reading those for some reason mm-hmm. uh, recently, and um, having someone talk to you in a really like interesting way. But this comes across very like 
it's all a bit dark. Well, dark and dry, absolutely. Because obviously we've been using D&D Beyond because that's our easiest way of accessing these books. But also I do have the copy of The Descent into Inverna. So I went back just, just before the recording just to look at it. And interestingly enough, there's not a lot of images in the Gazetteer stuff. And it's, obvi- it's obvious when you look at it in the, the D&D Beyond stuff as well. But suddenly you have a lot of columns D&D, we always know uh, in books, it's double-columned, fine, fine, fine. But usually there's an image on every page just to break up the text. Mm. In the Gazetteer, there's several pages which are just two columns consistently. Like, like I'm looking at it now, probably like yeah. six pages before you get to an image. Now, obviously, that's fine. So most people can read through that. But when it's dry text, when there's nothing interesting, you do need to break it up a little bit with a map or with a diagram because they do have some really nice images here of like the various locations. There's two, like, what I didn't realise this was the model's gate. There's like, some of the images are just a double spread, which is very beautiful actually. And then you get to see the full image of like, I don't know, someone being murdered, uh, <laughs> someone being robbed as well. So yeah, instantly, uh, I didn't even know that until I looked at it at the, uh, the physical copy and I was like, oof, a little bit hard going. Yeah. Baldur's Gate itself as a sort of location. I actually yeah. struggled to imagine it until I looked at the the big map. The wider map was really good. I totally agree because yeah. they have the zoomed in just Baldur's Gate in the city mm. and a little bit of the surrounding. And then when they bring in something Hawk um, uh, Hill. Uh, just Hawk Hill, yeah. That you then get this overview of you're like, oh, so it's a bit like Hamburg. Yes. In the sense that it's a, it's a port city down the river a little bit inland mm-hmm. slightly. The population of Baldur's Gate is 125,000. And I I don't know about you, I always struggle to be like, what does that mean? Uh, So I had a quick look at UK places. Bath is 90,000. Yeah, I was going to say, so Bath, 90,000. So uh, similar size to that. A place near me, Accrington, is about 120,000. So I was like, oh, it's as big as Accrington. Um, Is in Accrington Stanley, the football uh, club. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. You know that from Accrington Stanley for West Brom. (laughs) Nil. <laughs> if anyone's well, old enough to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, speaking of football, so I've been watching uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, uh, Wrexham is only 60,000, so it's roughly about... Oh, Wrexham's tiny. Yeah. yeah, Wrexham's tiny, but I was like, it's double the size of Wrexham. It's <laughs> twice. It's two Wrexhams. <laughs> yeah, two Wrexhams, roughly around that. I can't believe that Wrexham is now the international standard to... T- it's Wales, isn't it? It's Wales. Wales, yep. <laughs> Wales used to is the international standard of measurement for countries, and now Wrexham, thanks to Robin uh, and uh, um, Ryan, yeah, Ryan going and buying a football team. It's now I've been to Wrexham. It's nearby. It's my oh. stepdad's local tennis club is in Wrexham. Oh well, maybe maybe that will be bought by a Hollywood uh, <laughs> Just going back to the map, I yeah. really struggle to be like, wait, so is it is Baldur's Gate? On a hill. So in my head, I had it as like a, a huge big hill, and the upper city at the top, and then the lower city, and then the outer city, and it was just almost ringed around the hill. But actually, yeah, it's separated. Yeah. Because the Dusthawk Hill confused me completely. Because mm. that's technically on the outside of it. I found that was one of the more interesting bits of history. This idea of the uh, Dusthawk Hill is like a protected place because these Dusthawks, they're an endangered species, and the founder, Baldurin, that was his favourite bird, so we must protect the bird at all costs. And then people were like, but we go on that hill to trap food and, and prey, and it's unfair. And so that sort of niggling attentions, I quite like that. I thought that was an interesting little like side like history, which is not necessarily important, but it's like, oh, you're not allowed on this hill. You're not allowed to camp on this hill. You're not allowed to do anything because it's a protected area, which you, we've not come across in D&D at all about having protected areas for wildlife before, no. which I thought was quite interesting. The national parks. Um, yeah. John Muir would be happy. 
That's it. <laughs> you also have places like the Worms Crossing. I love that. That's so cool. One of my top places, yeah. And that's got a nice little image in the uh, Gazetteer as well. So this idea yes. of a, like a, a crossing where it is the HQ or the Flaming Fist, yeah. where you cross like the first part of the bridge and then there is the HQ and then uh, you cross the next part of the bridge to carry on into the uh, outer city. But if you get stuck there, you're kind of just stuck at the HQ for yeah. for as long as you need to be uh, across this very wide... Uh, river. Oh, how do you pronounce How do you pronounce the river? Is it... Uh, Chiantha? Ch- Chiantha. Chiantha. <laughs> I don't know. It's either Chantha or Shyantha, I Chanty. think. <laughs> the river. <laughs> the river. And this river obviously connects to sort of the wider oceans as well. Mm. And again, there's a little bit of history about like the other settlements around. So like uh, Baldur's yeah. Gate obviously has connections to Waterdeep and uh, Neverwinter. Elturel, who is, uh, again, comes into uh, play in the actual adventure itself. It's down the river a little bit, isn't it, basically? There's this sort of little bit of tension because it's seen as sort of like a, a good place and there's lawlessness of Baldur's Gate. Is, uh, they're not too keen on that. But then you've got like connections to Cholt. So it's, it's a it's good... just to Kalimshan with the little Kalimshan, which I quite yes. I think is an interesting little story. Because Kalimshan is not somewhere we travel to greatly in mm. current setting of D&D. Kalosham does come up in, uh, I only know it through Drizzt novels, uh, mm. in number seven or something like that. They go to Kalosham. Oh, oh in uh, the, the Dritz novels. Yeah. And it's like round the, you go down south, it's quite far south, and you go round the bay, this big bay, and then you're mm. into Kalosham, I think, believe, down there. But um, just interesting to just have a little touch of some other area as well in there, which kind of yeah. I think could lead you on if you wanted to go on to that. And and there's talk of connections to obviously Candlekeep as well. Like mm-hmm. if you're on your way to Candlekeep to give in a, a rare book, well you might be able to find it in Bowls Gate, but obviously for a high price. Mm. And so again, if you if you were going to do the um the Candlekeep anthology, that could be something there as well. If it's like a quick primer perhaps. Yeah. So it's it's got all the bases for a, a good starting place, but in the Gazetteer itself, as we sort of quickly discussed before we started recording, there are lots and lots of locations, which is very detailed in this Gazetteer. But, and admittedly, obviously, we haven't read The Sentinel of Venice, and probably we should at some point. From my understanding is that we don't spend too long in Baldur's Gate before we have to head off to save the rest of the world, because obviously the this, yeah. this place is, is not Baldur's Gate, but the uh, Eternals, uh it's fallen into Avernus. So there's a lot of detail here to be like, if you want to do adventures here, here's all the information. But yeah. compared to Waterdeep Dragon Heist, where it's like, you're, you're not leaving this place, but here's all the stuff you can do. And then, then it feels more yeah. interconnected that, that instantly. And I, I, it definitely feels like that in the writing for this gazetteer. Just to put it back to the Waterdeep, I think the thing that it has, why it's a lot more dense here is that the Waterdeep Dragon Heist book is very much like a it's all in Waterdeep. So there's so many other locations that are just brought up and around in the rest of the book. So what it's priming you on really is overviews of like the Guild Ward or the Clark's Ward and stuff like that. Mm. And it's giving you more of an overview whilst there are lots of little interesting places throughout the whole of the book. So I think that's why this is a bit more dense. I think if you were someone coming to start again, I always look at this from like a beginner DM sort of Mm. point of view is that what's good is this is like, there's loads of little things that you could be like, all right, I'll take a city landmark one that we really like the image of the Hall of Wonders or something like that. Mm. And it just gives you a nice little like cutaway 3D of it. It looks really cool, gives you enough to give you something to work from. There's no maps, but it gives you a nice little description of it. Talks mm-hmm. about inventions wrought in God's name. So one of the gods of invention yeah. and sort of uh, creativity. And then it has a workshops and it just kind of gives you loads of things that you could just take from that and mm. inspire you to create, I don't know, you might 
go there to collect or steal a particularly precious or rare artifact that you need mm. for a little quest and it could or it just could be a fetch quest from an npc mm-hmm. which it gives you a couple in this such as a nine finger keen nine fingers keen which is a great name one thing i wish they had because they do have lots of random encounter tables for depending on various circumstances but i do wish there was more and maybe this is more of a tasha's thing or a volus thing where obviously you can generate names but i want more Names like, you know, Nine Finger Keen, you know, like No Thumbs Harry or something like that. Like be able to create quick NPCs that have very threatening names just to get into the theme of Baldur's Gate. In the Gazetteers, you've got like 19 locations in the upper city, 22 in the lower city. And then in the outer city, there's 12 like places you can go. But the key thing, which passed me by on the first reading of this, uh, which is kind of significant to Baldur's Gate, is that you can't necessarily travel easily between the upper city and the lower city because of the sort of enforced class system. You have the original sort of oldest families Mm. within Baldur's Gate called the Patriots, which are the wealthy class. They are the, you know, they make their money. They have always lived in the upper city. They do their business in the upper city. And it's very like unlikely, as you were saying, for them to come down mm. to the lower city. If they're going to come, they're going to be coming with guards. They're going to become protected because they are targets for robbers and thieves, etc. Now, you as a normal pleb of the Forgotten Realms and even of sort of Baldur's Gate, it's unlikely you'll be able to get into the upper city, but there are ways to do it. Uh, Either you've got their patronage, you've got a letter recommendation, you're a trader of some sort, or you pay five copper. But at the end of the day, as it's sort of getting towards uh, sunset, you have to get out, otherwise you are forced out by the Flaming Fist uh, and the Watch. There's nothing more embarrassing than seeing someone rush towards one of the gates, uh, but it's probably less embarrassing than being thrown out. So, uh, you know, this, I like that as a sort of saying that, oh, they're not supposed to be here. That sort of thing. So you don't have a, a watch token or anything like that. So, again, that's another thing going, oh, are you going to have to get into a place to steal an artifact from the Hall of Wonders yeah. during the night? How are you going to escape that if that. you don't have a letter of recommendation or a watch token, which are hard to come by? But. These flame fists are pretty easy to bribe <laughs> from what I what it says many, many times. Yeah. And there's loads of little encounters it has for you, like, doesn't it? There's loads of little tables that you can roll on for like your court at the gates. Mm. Do the guard take every single person one by one yeah. and really rummage through everything they've got? Or do they come around asking, look, putting their hand out basically? And if you give them money, you go through, or are they not looking? And you get yeah. to run through it. So they've got little tables for all those sorts of things as well. There's some fun ones which were like, uh, they confiscate all weapons and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, or if uh, they arrest the, any person who's not able to pay five gold. And you're like, yeah. wow. This, and Or they arrest the poorest looking person. <laughs> you know? It's really awful, isn't it? But it's good little things for like, you know, mm. for your players to come into. Like, mm. have you got five gold? And everyone goes through and the last one's like, Oh shit, they've got the money. <laughs> and they're like, they've got the money, they're in there. Yeah, 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 mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Come with me. We don't like troublemakers here in Baldur's Gate. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. And that's a little adventure for your characters. These little uh, encounters, they're not all about fighting. There's definitely, there's there's some really good ones in the upper city talking about like, you know, asking for quests and like oh, yeah. getting uh, letters to go to certain uh, families and all that sort of thing. But the, and the little tiny, tiny like two line quest hooks, which I love as a way to like, uh, it's not a, a fight. Because that's the thing. Sometimes you have these encounters, uh, like, oh, 3D6 farmers. Well, 
you've given me the stat block, so presumably they're going to do something. But what was quite good in the uh, Beyond Baldur's Gate, those encounters, yeah. not only do you generate like who you encounter, but like the reason for heading to Baldur's Gate, which I thought was a quite nice way to pair. Mm. So you're not constantly... Because I feel sometimes you, as a DM and you're rolling this stuff, you go, okay... Oh, there's one d six pilgrims that are coming, and you're like, right, well, we're gonna kill them. You know, it, it, I don't know. It just feels like we've got you got to you've got to roll a one d six of them. Why are we encountering them? So I, I like how there is a a, a d ten table for like why are they heading? Yeah, and harmless interactions and having them split, as you said, like harmless mm. interactions, random ones, denizens that you meet, threats, and it's yeah. kind of it's good that it's giving you all of them because sometimes it will just go here's ten encounters, and it's like, mm. well, I've rolled a bad one, and you're like. I don't have time for a bad one. Can I share my favourite one, though? Yeah, please, yeah. A pallid maid wearing the livery of House Bormore stumbles into party, whispers, not shellfish, and passes out. <laughs> I, I did think that was a quite good one. <laughs> it, just made, it just made me laugh. Right? <laughs> In terms of trading and what the economy is like. This place is obviously a big commercial hub because obviously it's along the river. So mm. it's mostly known for its fishing. It's known for yeah. its uh, for dyes as well, which is quite interesting. Yeah, the dyes thing was like a nice little nod to like particular trade of this area because mm. it makes it feel a bit more real. And I don't know if this happened in the Dragon Heist Gazetteer. It talks about the Baldur's Gate crest yeah. And what it symbolises... With the boat on the water and how people don't know it, what it really actually means anymore as well. But it has two meanings. Yeah. Uh, or people are trying to... It's that sort of thing where they're trying to yeah. justify, oh, well, actually it means calm waters and not piracy and all that yeah. sort of thing. I like that. as a, like, here is the bit... Because it talks, obviously, we had the tiny bit about the mm. history of Baldur's Gate, which I think is actually quite succinct, which is a bit of a relief, I thought. Uh, and this idea of why it's called Baldur's Gate, this idea that Baldwin comes back to his hometown of Grey Harbour goes, I'm going to use my money to build Up the city. Uh, a gate around us. And then they're like, cool, we'll call it Baldur's Gate. And like, ah, yeah. roll, roll credits, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when you said, is there that in Warsteep? There are bits of that. Mm. Warsteep does go quite into all the factions a lot more. So it talks about all yeah. their crests actually quite a lot because it, it mm. talks about the Flaming Fist because you are, there's a lot of factioning, guild joining in that game. So there's a bit more mm. on that. The thing that I think we're pulling on there, which is the, the fact of not giving you here's the factual history right mm. that was made by jeff in 20 jeff and uh, put a picture of jeff on it and that's because jeff's the best and then but no it's because some people go well some people see jeff as an evil character and some people mm. see jeff as this and i like that ambiguity it makes it feel much more real like it is in all cities that we live in mm. The other thing to mention, because uh, I was like, Baldur's Gate, so there's only one gate, right? Obviously there isn't. There's loads of uh, gates. And none of them are called Baldur's Gate. One of them is. Where one is it? I couldn't find it on the map. I was looking at the map and I was like, I can't find this actual Baldur's Oh, there it is. It's in, oh, it's to the upper city. Yeah, I was going to say, it's in the upper city, right? That's yeah. why I was being an idiot. That's what I was like looking through it and I was like, oh, they must have changed the name. I was like, they must, and I was like, I couldn't find it. <laughs> Sorry, that's really funny because I literally just zoomed in and it's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's because there's a couple of so there's a couple of gates around the upper city and that's then the, the others around the lower city. I forgot about those. So there's nine gates that separate all the districts from Baldur's Gate. Uh, but and what's yes. interesting again, a little fact I missed in the first reading is that uh, Baldurians, if they don't wish to reveal uh, a crew affiliation or family affiliation to a hostile audience, they'll describe themselves by the nearest gate to their home, which mm. again, then you you know you. Get 
get stuff like uh, Gondor Gator or the Dragon Gator. Uh, mm. And I just thought that was, I, I thought that was just a little bit different and cool. Yeah. And all these gates are also slightly different in terms of like, yeah, getting into the uh, the upper city, but also yeah. there's ones that, are, yeah, ones that are specifically for the upper city people, or there's ones that are particularly for merchants, etc. And so depending on which gate you go to, you might need to do a bit more bribing. You, you might be able to sneak through on certain days, all that sort of thing. And I just, again, no, it's not too complex in that sense, but I, and there's yeah. a history behind each of the gates, like Dragon Gate, for example, used to apparently have the head of a black dragon on the top of it. Obviously no longer there, but there's now a a stone statue of it. And there's rumors that if Baldur's Gate was ever to be attacked, it would spew poison or acid. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's that's only one gate. The other nine are undefended. Yeah, exactly. You better hope they come from but, the north. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not as good as the, the statues of Waterdeep, is it? Just one no. dragon that kind of just spews acid in one direction. <laughs> we'll just walk around this. You know, I, mean, I can imagine mm-hmm. this whole army lining up and it's like, we're going to put our biggest show on. And they just watch and wait for it to run out and go, okay, cool. Thanks. And we'll walk in now. <laughs> I like um, Tumble Down. Also talking about edges mm. of towns uh, and like stuff. It's a very simple one sentence thing. I'll try to just find it again. Mm-hmm. Off by itself, overlooking the river, this perpetually foggy neighborhood hosts the Cliffside Cemetery. And you're like, in that one mm-hmm. sentence, I've got it all. The yeah. name Tumble Down, you think it's always foggy, it's got cemeteries, it's like your mini Dark Souls room mm-hmm, <laughs> area. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Well, or yeah. Bloodborne sort of area kind of thing is kind of what I think of. A bit like, you know, the gates when it's going up to Edward Scissor's hands, his house, or the Adams family house, you know, oh, yeah, me, yeah. Uh, on uh, Cliff Gate. And then you go through and everyone's all a bit more muggy and foggy and it's all a bit <laughs> going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could just feel it and I thought, I just thought for something that's very verbose, one of the sentences that picked that I just when I was reading it, I was like, this is one sentence that actually does a lot for me. So just to name all those gates because I've got them up here. Why not? Get ready to write these down to make your own D12 table. <laughs> <laughs> How many are there? Ten or okay, ten. there's nine in total. So we have the Black Dragon Gate, uh, which I said it has that sort of black dragon face on it. The Citadel Gate, which is the only entrance to the Watcher's Fortress, so that's supposed to be the City Watch at the top in the uh, upper gate. The uh, Patriot Gates, which are the gates for the rich and wealthy people. So you've got Gone Gate, the Heap Gate, the Manor Gate, the Sea Gate. There's also different neighbourhoods as well in that upper city as well, like the Citadel Streets, the Manor Bourne, which is all where all the fancy houses are, uh, the temples as well. And then you have the Wide, which is the big market space. It's why people would probably go to the uh, upper city during the day. And then in the lower city... We have Baldur's Gate, which is the oldest and least impressive of the city gates, uh, but it remains at the city's heart. The Basilisk Gate, a statue-lined gate, connects the lower city to the Great Coastway, stretching through the majority of the outer city and then the southeastern towards Am, Tereth and Kalashan, and Cliff Gate that is that uh the sort of foggy one that you were talking about, the tumble-down neighbourhood one. I also like the name of their market. As an architect, mm-hmm. I have to look at lots of city plans as well because we do urban design. Mm-hmm. And a big fan of the wide um, mm-hmm. as a space because it reminds me a lot more. I don't know if anyone have been. Have you been to Siena in Tuscany? No, I have not, unfortunately. Have you seen the second the Quantum of Solace movie? There's a bit in it where there's a horse race going on, and it's a horse race in a square in a city like that and it's really cool it's an amazing feat because it's like literally people just packed in this town square 
I mean, to give it a London equivalent, it's mm. probably just as big as Covent Garden without the Covent Garden bit in the middle. In the centre, yeah. It's not that big, and there are horses racing around it. It's absolutely wild. But mm. the wide reminds me of that sort of hilltop architecture that you get in like Italy and stuff, where the town squares are never actually a square. They are a shape that is formed around naturally, oh, cool. and I quite like that little bit of appreciating the urban design choices there because some mm. of like Waterdeep's very much New York. It's very organised and there's sort of Broadway sort of going across, you know, diagonally across it and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. I, was all, I just liked it. And I liked how it's just called yeah. The Wide. The Wide <laughs> is it. an easy place, yeah. It's, yeah, not the so-and-so marketplace yeah. that we often get in there. No. Again, just little um, idiosyncrasies that mm. I enjoy. Yeah. And then towards the end of the gazetteer, we had those character backgrounds, which Sutter mentioned. And there's 14 uh, that we've seen before. Oh, yeah. But they are with a Baldarian twist uh, to it. And I quite, mm. again, they, they don't add anything necessarily new. It, all it does is just sort of ties in like, oh, you're yeah. probably part of the, the Flaming Fist or you know X, etc. And you know this, that and the other. I mean, the Charlatan's a great one, particularly mm. for Baldur's Gate because of that long lost air. Uh, business yes criminals and all those are very obvious i just think that was very particular to it um, mm. i quite like that the faceless which was new for this which is kind of interesting because it kind of fits a little bit like how they've made nine fingers because they mentioned mm. that she's so averagely looking mm. that you just she's got a face that you don't remember which is mm. kind of actually what has made her a great thief which I always think is a funny, they always make that joke that Roger Moore used to say about Bond is like, Bond is like, he's a spy, but everyone knows who he is. Because <laughs> it's like, he turns up in any bar and they go, oh, Mr. Bond, uh, shaken, not stirred. Yes, perfect. Thank you. Whilst, and that's like, that's a crap spy. <laughs> it's not spying. And all other movie spies are genuinely very attractive. And so therefore not sitting in the corner, like hiding away. So I, I just like, I appreciate it. But then the faces is similar is that you, being you, you are, you can never be a hero whether due to your class, your people, your family, or your sins. Mm. Something about you prevents you from effectively resuming the path you've chosen, even so that doesn't stop you. You've left your old face behind, taking on a new persona, becoming something more. Dun, dun, dun. Had people use that in games? It's mm. a good one. It makes you think of Fjord from Critical Role Season 2. Yep. Don's a completely different persona, mm. which is impersonating... Oh, is it Yandrin? Have I remembered that out of nowhere? Uh, uh, yeah, it's like his uh, commanding officer, right? Old, old commanding officer. And then, yeah. and the joke was all the time he kept slipping into that British accent every so often, mm-hmm. didn't they? And they were like, wait, is he doing this on purpose sort of thing? Mm. So that was a faceless, a good faceless one. Yeah, you've got a, a D10 of, of suggestions in the table yes. there. And I think as a player, because it's something that I, I would entreat you, but I'm very bad at keeping secrets uh, as, as a person. <laughs> so I, again, it's, it's a, I definitely think it would be a challenge if you were going to role play this, because there's some of these like, you know, flamboyant spy or brigand, yeah. the, uh, a scoundrel with a mask eyes, a vengeful spirit, impersonation of another hero, which could be quite fun as well. Yeah. If that other hero turns up to bowl but it's just something I would, yeah. It is you've given the perfect example here of uh, of Ford, you know, and it's that idea that you could definitely play off either as an NPC or as a as a player character. That idea that uh, there's something not a hundred percent about this person. I mean, the thing is, the, the great thing about it being a game is that they, do, you know, you've got the double sort of meta thing of mm. like, oh, is that them just mucking up the accent? Mm. Is, is that them just? being themselves and forgetting what their character's about. And then yeah. you can slowly build it more in and be a bit more over about your other persona or have your DM bring people, you know, bring people yeah. in that know you from your previous life or something like that. It's a very wild cultural reference I appreciate, but one of the many uh, 
episodes of The Apprentice, uh, where there's a woman trying to get people to come into an art gallery. She's just like, oh, would you like to come? And people going, no, thank you. She goes, okay. And as soon as they pass away, she went, oh, like her face completely dropped and then would go back into sort of what I call Barbie mode, you know? Sales mode, yeah. No, yeah, 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 exactly. We've all, we've all had to do that. <laughs> That's how I see it. It's like, you, you know, you might have the like, ha, 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 goodbye. And then yeah. you're like, in my mind it's the eastenders hug oh yeah you know what i mean so yeah, they go yeah, in, yeah. so it's like i love you hug and then they go yeah i think that's a good addition and yeah, yeah. All, yeah again all it's just all these backgrounds if someone goes oh yeah i really want to play this goes oh actually we're thinking of doing a boulders gate game yeah does these features work for you do you want to be part mm. of boulders gate or do you want to be someone coming into that's it good. so there's there's two ways about doing it and then the final bit is something I've never seen before in Casatia. Yeah. I'm sure we've had them in other other books, but this idea of a dark secret. There's four different sort of dark secrets that affect it could be an individual character or it could be the whole yeah. party itself. But you have like maybe you are a part of a conspiracy in Baldur's yeah. Gate. Maybe you're at fault of a murder. Maybe you were doing a heist, or maybe you were doing um a coup. coup. Yeah. I love that. That's my favorite. Yeah. And it gives a good description about what each of those entail. Um, a table to what your role is and the consequence, and and then also a table to be like, who knows about it? Which I love. This idea that someone knows what you did. And uh, consequences are coming on the horizon. And you could play that both ways, though. You could have characters in there who maybe are the one who knows the dark secret of someone more powerful Mm -hmm. as another way. Like you witnessed the Duke murder someone or Mm. start or you overheard someone discussing a coup against the Duke and you are the only one that knows. And do you do something about it? You could play it both ways, I think. yeah, which could be interesting. There's enough that ties you into getting your hands a little bit dirty. So you're not yeah. necessarily the... That's why I kind of came to this, is that compared to... And obviously, I know we're always comparing it to Waterdeep. Compared to Waterdeep, which is like, we are heroes. Here, it's like, we're morally flawed oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, Waterdeep Dragon Heist is... I wouldn't say it's like, we're heroes, but we are... We're very much bumbling heroes is yes. the kind of vibe. It's definitely a lighter-hearted theme. Definitely, yes. it is. It's Mission Impossible, James Bond, silly. Yes, yeah. yeah Whilst yeah. Um, Baldur's Gate, the actual thing, you end up in hell, so it's not yeah. a happy place. You know, yeah. Baldur's yeah. Gate is technically a happy place in comparison to where you actually end up in there. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely, as we said, I said at the beginning, everyone is out for themselves, and so should your characters be as well. And maybe that's the sort of like artistic, sort of like um, meta commentary of it is that mm. Baldur's Gate is very similar to the Avernus it's all about making yeah. you know there's, there's a serious hierarchy I don't know you could you could play on that <laughs> yeah when you've got the, that parliament of peers as well and the, yeah. the council of four along with like we've talked about the sort of all, all these religions that we sort of mentioned there's no one religion that's like oh we definitely don't worship up here everyone's welcome but it's definitely obviously like the uh, the cult of three oh yeah they're frowned upon coming at the end of it and reading it I'm like okay I there's bits of it I've really enjoyed and found interesting yeah. But this is so unlike my experience of the Baldur's Gate 3 game. Is that because you've been playing it with different other people? Well, I think so. But I mean, also, I admittedly, I haven't got to actually Baldur's Gate. So it, yeah. it feels like we're just a bunch of heroes who are trying our best. There's definitely some, obviously some morally grey heroes. And when you find out some of the backstories about some of the companions, you're like, wait, what? Uh, but they don't seem like selfish or out for themselves. 
apart from obviously Astarian. But he does it in such a charming way that it's sort of oh Astarian. What a rogue, you what know? A oh Astarian. Cat. Yeah, of course. Of course you can uh, bite people. Ah, that's fine. <laughs> oh, so cute. Oh Astarian. Yeah. But but that's what I mean. Like to go from like from my own little bit of an experience of like playing Baldur's Gate 3 and going, oh yeah, well maybe we should read the Gazetteer. It'll be interesting to see what we do, what happens when we get to the city. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's a long time since I played Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Uh, I tried playing again and it was Bit difficult, yeah. Which actually starts in Candlekeep, the first one, uh, and then you end up in Voltscape. It is much more grimier, and I think the old, older world was a little bit, yeah, grimier. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With a bit more sword and sorcery. Because I remember someone talking about the original D and D. I think it was it was Matt Colville who went through all of the original version, all the versions mm. of D and D, from the beginning, and he was talking about the the first um, iteration that came out. Mm. Men and Monsters or something like that, I think it was. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in that, it says this is a game away from high fantasy, away from the ideas of Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. And only mentioned, literally mentions like um, Conan the Barbarian and other mm. sword and sorcery sort of things, like very much more brigands and mm. stuff like that. So Builders Gate is born in those earlier times. Yes. I mean, that's the sort of thinking i guess yeah i guess i was just like i said naively surprised by it and then like i said some, some of it i was like oh yeah as we just go a bit more dense and what i was expecting yeah. from the gazetteer like i don't know if i would it's not a primer that i'd give to the players necessarily i would edit this down quite a bit oh yeah i'd give them the backgrounds and the secrets bit and maybe just i would probably go th- through it without them reading it do you know with it there mm. do you know what i mean maybe like uh, the history of it at the top uh maybe the structure of like how the government is mm. uh briefly like the only thing that we really know from this gazetteer is that there's the the grand duke who is the as we said he's the leader of the the flaming fist uh mm. but he's currently away on a diplomatic mission uh leaving the other three sort of in charge one of them is pa- paralyzed just had a stroke and can't really speak but actually she has been in battle with a mind flayer and is struggling with that i know so that that, that was really interesting but again a very small little bit into like little bits yeah, and then you have uh, Volo's matriarchal mother of the family yeah. also in there. It's the Van Thampa family. Family, yeah, yeah. And who plays a big part in that uh, early bit in The Descent to Avernus. And then you have uh, another guy, another duke, who is a, a wealthy merchant who has been burnt too many times, so he's keeping his investments back uh, and is living the life of luxury, which I find is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got, got a very incompetent council going on just now. Which does lead you into a lot, again, that whole thing of being the DM. Mm. Here's loads of little things for you to um, yeah. play with. The one that I was going to say is that I got Volo's Guide to the North recently mm. reading that you know the information was much less dense and it was a, it was a different way of putting it i might go back and just have a brief i should have had i just thought of it now i forgot mm. about it well we could do it for a dm's book club if you send me the uh we could yeah. Do. yeah no it's just like a 140 page book sort of thing on oh we could split it up into many many we could. dm travel book club guide to the north because he's done north south east west he's done everywhere he's been everywhere. Oh, well, that sounds good to me it's been off because it'll, it'll be interesting. Because yeah. again, I don't know any of these places per se. All, all I know is from the like adventures, and every so often yeah. someone will go, you know, what about Neverwinter? I'm like, oh, there's a big chasm there. That's all I ever say. Uh, Hugh Grant is the Duke. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me into the Gazetteer. Because again, I was like, oh, that's really cool. They've released it, and then I'm like, oh, it's nothing like what I thought. This, like I said, there's some ideas there. It's nice to have something that is different to Waterdeep. 
uh, as a as a comparison stuff. And I do like this idea of a, having a gazetteer or a primer. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think the overall viewers are like there's, it's a little bit dry in some places. I definitely would do an edit and then maybe give it to the player. I don't mind the lack of uh, a point of view on it compared to Waterdeep. What I found with the Waterdeep primer, I wasn't sure about the point of view, and then I read that primer and I was like oh I actually really like this because I can really tell the character who they are yeah. and because they obviously are prominent uh, you know Volo is a prominent character in Dragon Heist whereas here it's like I don't know who would be the unless it's like Nine Fingers Keen that's going to do the uh, point of view I think you're right maybe yeah. it doesn't need to be that but I just think it's just that like I don't want to put the writers down I just think no. when I said it's going back to the 2E stuff and just the language and I think because there were less images in those days I think there's, there's more of a need yeah. for it but I think when you're reading, you know, reading 20, 30 pages with probably one or two images per thing. And the mm. thing that's good, great about the Planescape ones is it breaks it up just with like mm. bits of streams of um, those little ribbony things, which is just enough, actually, just to make the page not mm. feel daunting. But also like quotes from and places. Quotes. Yeah, really yeah. Just like good graphic design. 1994, they did it better than they did. Just Baldur's Gate, I think, in some ways, a little bit. But it's also just the spirit of the voice is really just brings you in. And it just is talking to you in a way that's so much more colloquial. Mm. It has all that, those little words in it. But it's just, I don't know. I think it even gives you a hard time, doesn't it? It's like, you think yeah. rule of threes, you think, well, rule of fours over here? Well, you'd be an idiot to think so. And the grey beards would be telling you this. And you're kind yeah. of just, it's a fun jovial enjoyable experience to read mm-hmm. and i don't see why that's a problem no you know no I mean? not, like, not a problem you know. at all if you're coming from Baldur's gate 3 and you see this on dnd beyond as a free thing should you read it i would say if this is your first if you're like i i played Baldur's gate 3 i've never played dnd but my gosh i've had such a great time yeah. do not read this book yeah <laughs> yeah read this book I, like it helped me because i was i was like oh because when it came up with like some of the terminology yeah. comes up in the game i'm like oh i know what that means now but yeah. i would like i said i was a bit like oh no i would be like this is the worst thing to put out that requires a volo's spoken mm. word welcome to Baldur's gate this is so dark and grimy blah blah blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. emotion 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 yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's what you need to get people in not and there's the tower of om now you probably don't know who om is but we're not gonna we're gonna give you a we're brief not gonna tell you too much about it too much gotta... about it. we're gonna give you a brief description of the pantheon which is the thing that pissed me off the most about the dm's guide it's like hey want to design a, your own dnd adventure let's start with the gods okay let's start Big brain, yeah. Big brain time. <laughs> Big brain, god time. Yeah, I think ultimately I found it interesting, but yeah, unless Baldur's Gate 3 hadn't come out or I hadn't, I hadn't been playing it with obviously yourself and, and our friends, I don't think I would have, um, I don't think I don't think I would have ever read it. Uh, no. I don't think there was been any impetus to, and I, I'm interested to read Descent into Avernus now, but I'm already not feeling good about it. If you see what I mean, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I don't you know. Watch anyone play it because I've never. I've, I saw that High Rollers did one, but I, I didn't. It, I just missed. It. I didn't watch it. But like, I've seen, I've seen a couple. Seen... I've seen a couple of actual plays because they did a whole sort of um, big event for it. That's what I mean. I remember it being quite. It was quite. There was a lot going on when it came out. People because yeah. it was right at the peak of the sort of um, pandemic. I think mm, wasn't it, and so people were. Yeah. Quite looking it. for something different but uh but yeah i don't know i will say though uh the alt cover is spectacular uh it looks fantastic on yeah. the right. like, look at that oh, on the back, that, back page. that piece of artwork is freaking cool well as we sign off uh is there anything you'd like to plug yeah. is there anything uh yeah yes okay great well what would you like Go to plug it. then my friend what i'll plug is fueled by chaos is now what i'm called i've changed hazard stripes into one i've merged 
what I was doing with Bowie's in with my Warhammer. Is it the best idea ever? Who knows? Probably crazy, but I've done it because it makes my life easier because I can't be managing two YouTube channels at the same time because I, I it's not the way my brain works. So I, I just have to accept that if it's if it's worse for it's better for me so that's kind of what i've done but it's fueled by chaos you just find it at fueled chaos on youtube on twitter and instagram it's fueled underscore chaos and i think it it, it speaks to me <laughs> to me and my personality <laughs> dragon's jewel will be coming back on there mm-hmm. as well we're organizing 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 and then my kickstarter we mentioned- yeah your kickstarter have you got any more necromunda stuff or is that on the back burner yeah no uh, I'm, i've got uh taylor four gangers which i'm editing i'm 49 minutes through hour and a half of edit but i think Whoa. it's probably going to be only about an hour and 10 minutes long so i'm pretty pretty close on that and i've mm-hmm. done all the getting all the photos and everyone oh, taylor ugh, surprise surprise is talented at everything isn't she well, who, who would have known um who knew? yeah but everyone's been very talented on it and done some really nice paintings so there's That's lots of painting wonderful. on that one so if people are interested in just seeing some nice nicely painted models there's a lot yeah. of little model painting things on there uh, and some tips as well we could we were we were rolling out with the tips for painting by the way <laughs> so not to, to bear it to spoil it too much but no. enough about me okay who, what why where? <laughs> Who am I? Thank you for asking. My name is Fiona. I usually hear pronouns. I am an improviser, a slight voiceover person and a podcaster. Uh, when? Uh, it's it's January. Uh, hooray. Why? I don't know either. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, where? I'm so glad you asked. So where is What Am I Rolling? Which is a twice monthly tabletop RPG uh, one-shot podcast. We do lots of different systems. The other thing I started doing is Too Long Didn't Read Tabletop RPGs, which is a, a stream for accountability reasons where I get to read through a uh, a quick start uh, of a different RPG system. And that's been going very well. I'm starting to do that a bit more regularly. And uh, that's it for the moment. Just just tootling along, hoping for the best, really. And yeah, in 2024 is going to be a, a big year for us, both individually and, and, and obviously uh, creatively. And I'm just really looking forward. So if you fancy reaching out to DM's Book Club, if you've got like a uh, a supplement you want us to check out, either Ooh, yeah, official do, do or if you've got a third party one. Obviously, I know Wizards have recently got some new third party content on the D&D Beyond stuff, which looks really cool, to be fair to them. There is some fun stuff. Yeah, I'm the Grim one looks really good. There's a Lairs one, there's a whole campaign. So yeah, so we'll be checking those out anyway. But if it, if you're like, oh, you should check out so and so's work or etc. Give us a uh, just yeah. drop us a as an uh, the email, or you could give us a, a quick mention on social media as well. And also, yep, yeah, come check out the Discord as well. Uh, that's it. That's us for now. That so is... I know we're like, oh, right, <laughs> right. We better we better go back to work. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm like trying to. Do yeah, like, uh-oh. <laughs> all right. Well, with all that the way, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you see you on the flip on the flip side. side. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.